Boom! What's up, everyone? Happy to be here with you guys today to do episode number two. Anyway, taking to, to follow up a little bit on that last episode, um, I took and kind of went into a little bit of the details of how I kind of wound up in this predicament. And this time, I'll, I'll kind of dig into it a little bit deeper because I don't think I did quite an adequate job explaining it to you. But then I'm going to show you some probably some important things. I, I called this podcast "How to Start Turning Defeat into Opportunities." Um, somehow I feel like we all get these little defeating moments in life and we're, we've got to figure out how to take lemons and turn them into lemonade and then maybe we'll add some sugar to it so it tastes good. Um, and so that's kind of the details of this one right here. I mentioned last time I used to work at a company called Raytheon Missile Systems. That was down in Tucson, Arizona. It was an awesome company, made all kinds of really, really cool missiles. Um, one pro program I was on is the Tomahawk missile program. It's this, uh, this missile would travel like a thousand miles and then it could take and engage or hit an enemy target and blow it up. What I really, really liked about working at Raytheon is these contracts were such long-term contracts that like a recession had come and we didn't even notice it because we had these long-term contracts. And, and then I was in corporate America, so I had safety in numbers. There was a lot of things that, that, that were put in place to, to protect you from from things that were taking place in the world and the environment. And for some reason, we haven't figured out how to get along in this world. It seems like there's going to be a never-ending need for weapons. And so I was there, um, worked there 13 years. It was good. The things got, what, what got kind of weird is, is like what working at Raytheon, I really loved it. And I'd mentioned last time, I felt like every time I, people would always say, oh, off to the bomb factory, right? And they're trudging up the hill to the bomb factory. And other people would say, oh, back to the salt mine. But I, I never, those, those, those descriptions never really worked for me because what I felt like what I was doing is walking up the anthill. And I would, every time I would go into the office, I would just take and I would drive to the office. And every time I'd climb out of my car, this thought always came to me, look at me, here I am walking like an ant up the anthill, going to go walk through the front door, show them my security badge, swipe in, take and go down the hall, go into a locked security area, sit down at my desk. And then when I sat down at my desk, here the ant is sitting here working to make an individual contributor. And I remember being so frustrated that what I would do is I would take like really famous sayings from like Napoleon Hill, um, from Tony Robbins, from... Um, Warren Buffett. I would pick like a lot of these guys that I really, really liked. Um, and then I would take these quotes and I would hang them up all around my office. And it's kind of weird. You'd go into people's offices and they'd have pictures hanging up or motorcycles hanging up or, you know, whatever, just, just something to make their office look cute. They put up awards. You know, I really didn't care about my awards I got there. What I cared about was looking at these sayings and saying, someday I'm going to change my star. Someday I'm going to rewrite everything. Someday I'm going to do something different and I'd figure it out. And I'd get this little piece of paper and I'd take this little piece of paper and I'd hang it on the wall and I'm like, like I put my quit date. This is the date I'm going to quit. And, um, and that quit date would come and I'd look at it and I'm like, crap, I'm still here. And the quit date would come again and crap, I'm still here. And, and it kept happening like that. And I would get so frustrated because I was, I was trying to figure out how to solve my problem. Literally, I was. But at the same time, I was also tethered to this corporate-type job where 
where, you know, there, there was security, there was a constant steady check and I wasn't getting ahead massively, but I was not going behind and I was still perpetuating myself forward. Um, I started doing some real estate businesses. I started accumulating rental properties. I had like, I think one time created a partnership and I had like one time I had like 13 rental properties. And so I was making progress and I was, I was happy about the progress, but I was disappointed because at my current rate, it was going to take me forever to create my exit strategy. And that's kind of where I was at. And I remember my wife and I, we were like, oh, you know what? Um, we want to take and we want to move back to our hometowns in Utah. You know, we're both from here and we're like, we, we just want to go back. And so we ended up getting all the kids together and we got, a, I hung up a whiteboard at the house and we started mapping out the plan. This is what we're going to do by the time this date hits, we're going to take it. It's like my oldest son, he's, um, he was in, he was in junior high. We said, okay, by the time he hits high school, this is the cutoff date. This is when it's going to happen. This is when we're going to make it work. And when he hits high school, we're going to do it. And he came and he hit high school. And he's there, and we still hadn't moved. We still hadn't made any progress. And I kept applying for jobs in Utah, trying to find a way to make that happen. But nothing was really panning out. I What I wound up with is a very specialized set of skills working in a defense space. So I felt like I was pigeonholed that, that I thought would I should be able to apply it to other spaces. But really, the people that would want to pay me what I need to get paid was largely in defense contracting space. When I moved to Utah, that would have put me with about a four-hour round trip to and from work. I'm like, wow, talk about a time waster. Um, and so I'm like, ah, can't do that. Anyway, we struggled and struggled trying to figure out how to move to Utah. And finally, like my wife ended up saying, well, we are moving to Utah. Like, would you like to come with us or not? And Basically, basically, kind of, kind of um, gave me a life changing opportunity, which was to like literally figure it out. So we literally took our house, we put it on the market, um, and the house literally sold. And I literally ended up moving my family to Utah, and I was stuck in Arizona for about five, six months. Um, problem was is I ended up buying a, a house for my family in Utah so we couldn't afford the house in Utah and for me to have a place in Arizona so a friend of mine's like hey come sleep on come stay at our house so I slept on this this bed it was about oh I don't know five feet long so my feet hung off the edge of it the bed was just wide enough that I could lay on it but if I was to roll over I would fall off the bed um, I don't know what size you call that bed, but whatever it was, it was teeny. And, uh, and so that's what I had and trying not to interfere with their family. I would basically, I just wouldn't, I would stay at work. I would stay at work, um, about six, well, maybe not quite. No. Yeah. I'd stay at work about 16 hours a day. Um, I'd go to the gym. I would, then I'd go to work. And then after work, I would just stay at work. Um, and that's what I would do. And I would try to figure out my solution of how to get back to Utah. Um, people at work knew that I was trying to make that transition. And one thing I know about human behavior, well, I now know about human be behavior, 
is once they discover you have interest in departing, they start pigeonholing you into opportunities that are less critical so that they can be they can protect themselves and be safe. And I, I discovered that. And next thing you know, um, work got a little more complicated in that sense. The ability to, to advance uh, got more complicated. You know, opportunities started closing. And, and I, I just remember being frustrated, um, stuck in Arizona, can't get next to my, can't be with my family. The need for money hadn't disappeared all the way up to the point that Basically, the only thing I could think of at the time was literally just quit my job and leave, um, which is what literally what I did. Um, packed up, you know, that little stuff I had, put it in the car, let work know that, you know, when my last day was and literally drove to Utah. And the whole way I'm driving, I'm excited to see my family. But at the same time, I know that that I my income, everything Everything had just dissolved out from under me. I know that when I get to Utah with a family as large as mine, I can't, I can't go get just a traditional job. I can't go get things that wouldn't, whatever it is, it has to pay be enough to support a family. And my skills are specific towards the the, the defense and military space. Um, and it was scary. It was terrifying. I remember when I got here. Um, I, I would just sit on the floor like my wife is my wife's in bed sleeping. She's used to me always being able to figure these things out. And I remember sitting on the floor and I would rock back and forth, rock back and forth. And I remember being terrified, not knowing what to do. I'd take and I'd plead to Heavenly Father. I'm like, like, please f- help me find a way. Help me discover a solution. Help me find a way out of my problem. Um, I can't not be with my family but I can't not provide for him. And I remember just being terrified. And like I, the thoughts had never really crossed my mind that maybe it would be better if I wasn't on this earth. And I remember those thoughts would come into my mind. And uh, I would sit there and I'm like, God, my family would be better off without me because I just can't figure this out. I just can't produce. And um, But when I thought through the consequences of that, would my family be better off without somebody trying to take care of them? And the answer I could get back was like, well, no. No, they definitely would be better off with me. Um, and and so I just got to find a way. And uh, I ended up finding a, a consulting job um, that would pay me about three grand a month. Um, wasn't wasn't even close to enough money to be able to support my family. Um, but, I mean... I took I took these part-time opportunities like that. Um and when I did that opportunity, it was it was interesting. I learned a lot from it. Um I felt like I was a shrink. I would go into work and I would spend time there and all they would do is they'd just lay their problems on me and lay their problems on me and complain and complain and complain. Kind of reminds me of when my kids come up to me and start complaining about that kid and this kid and they're just complaining about everybody. Like everybody's done them wrong. And and so like as a parent, I'd step in, fix, straighten the whole thing out and boom, problem solved. Now we can move on. Well, I took that approach in corporate America and I said, well, here's what's going wrong. And I started taking charge and started pointing things out. And that's when I discovered that people don't like it when you solve their problems. 
Like, you got to say that tongue-in-cheek. They want it solved, but they feel a whole lot better when you allow them to solve it or to feel like the idea was theirs, and then they could solve it. And so that opportunity fizzled out. Um, my approach wasn't very good in, in pointing out or helping them solve the problems. And so I took a, another opportunity, started to do sales. I quickly discovered I had to start getting into sales if I wanted to figure out how to make adequate money. And so this other company was... It was a tech company. They worked with like alarm companies and solar companies. What they did is they really had, they had this really cool technology. It was like a map type software. And I would take this software and I would start, I would start like just cold calling companies. I'd just call them up and start trying to figure out who's who in the zoo so I could start marketing this thing and selling it to them. Got on LinkedIn, started discovering who the presidents of these companies were, started tracking them down. And the next thing you know, I had literally found all of the gold in this space. I've, I found the right people. I got the right people talking to me. Um, I found the big fish. I found where it was all at. The problem I, I ended up running into is, is like the product, the product didn't do, it, it didn't do what the, what it was supposed to do. It didn't fulfill its requirement. And, and my, the feedback I kept getting is, is well, it doesn't work. And, and, but, I, but I felt like I knew that because when I would use it and I'd go through, I'm like, you're right, it doesn't. But I couldn't tell them that. And so I would just keep trying to provide customer support and trying to figure this thing out. Um, and I would bring it up with the tech company, like, we've got to take and fix this and improve on that. And they didn't have, like, it's kind of like it was deaf ears. They didn't, we didn't want to solve the problem. So it didn't matter how good I was being able to find opportunities for us to sell this product because the product didn't fulfill on the promises that what the customer expected. Um, I think of this kind of like the innovator's dilemma. If you've ever read that book, real good book, he, um, he talks about like there's, a, there's like a working person and they're commuting to work. And he says that like they'll go and buy a, a milkshake, but he says, don't think of it as buying a milkshake. Think of it as hiring a milkshake. And he says, whenever you buy something, you're always hiring it to solve a very specific problem. And he said, like somebody would go hire a milkshake for their transition to work because they want a little bit of food before they get to work. But they hire the milkshake versus hiring a donut because the donut, it comes into their hands. They All of a sudden they got little crumbly stuff like sugary things on their hand. Then it gets on their clothes. And next thing you know, it spreads on their shirt. And next thing you know, they got sticky fingers and stuff. And so they're like, oh, I can't hire them. I can't hire this because like, I, I, like, I don't want to make a mess. And so maybe they would say, I'm going to hire a, a bagel. But bagel still, it's got sesame seeds on it or something, or you got to spread the cream cheese on it. And so hiring a bagel might, wouldn't be a necessarily a good fit, but the milkshake was a good fit. As long as the thickness of it wasn't too thick or too runny, because they would hire the milkshake and they don't want to they don't want to go f like a twenty minute drive and five minutes later the milkshake was so thin that boom milkshake's gone okay now what? But if they make it too thick, like they can't they can't even drink it through the straw, and so it's got to solve a very specific problem, which is get me from work from where I'm at to my home to work. And by the time I get to work, I can just throw the thing away and I'm good. And so 
the 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 users that were using our product was like, hey, this isn't this is not working, right? And and I was aware of it, but we wouldn't do anything about it. And so eventually um, that that company ended up collapsing, and I ended up having to go packing and looking for a new job. Um, it was you know it's getting frustrating. So I'm on my second opportunity, and it's like it's like it's only been a year. Um, I get a I, I get hired by a solar company to start recruiting for them, and that's when I quickly discovered is in the marketplace where you've got a commodity. I I didn't have anything special that I could offer these installers that came these these sales reps that came to work for us. I'm like, hey, just come install for us, come install for us, come install for us, or to sell for us because we can handle the installations. It's it's kind of like when you go to Amazon.com, right? And and you got all these different products on there. Say I'm trying to buy a marker. Well, anybody that looks on there is going to go look like marker, 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 cheaper, 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 cheapest, boom, cheapest, boom, buy that. That's how these sales reps would come at you and they would approach you is like how, how cheap of a price can I get for my installations? Okay, cool. I'm going to take that one. And what I've noticed is some of these other companies, they'll start building technologies and all kinds of stuff. And I discovered is actually it's it's kind of hindsight looking back at it because I was trying to figure it out. Um, we didn't have anything that differentiated our, our company or made us special. And as a result, we didn't it's like it was a race to the bottom. And and that kind of is what, what complicated us. And so um that I ended up transitioning out of that and did just what I described. I went and found the the best price on solar installations I could, and I started going door to door knocking, and and I started doing that. But if you've ever tried that type of work, like it can be hugely rewarding financially, but but a drag being able to get motivated and go knock on doors. Um, I don't know. It was. It was it was quite the experience, and so I would go knock on doors. I always had to make sure I had a good positive attitude. I was in the right state. I always carried like orange juice in my car, so if I could feel like my blood sugar dropping, I'd start drinking orange juice or Dr Pepper or something, anything, to get me into a positive state or to get my body so that my body felt right, so I could start hitting these doors. And and um, while I was doing that. Uh, I, I discovered a friend that was doing uh, flooring and his flooring company, like it was awesome. He's like, yeah, I, I'll take and I'll pay you for selling flooring. And, and I loved it. So I went out and I started selling flooring and I started selling so much flooring that like I doubled the size of his company within, within six months, I doubled the size of his company. I think he was doing like maybe a million, million million and a half whatever I, I doubled it and so like we had some growing pains trying to get guys in the door but the, but the challenge I had is I could have I could have increased those sales so much more but we couldn't find the manpower to fulfill it and then the the problem started bubbling up as guys got comfortable knowing that there was all these sales coming in that they also became less conscientious of the quality that we were delivering and like a floor that's supposed to get nailed down um 
they weren't nailing the floors down properly. Or if uh, there's, if there's, you know, it's a 500 foot floor, you know, and they give us 550 feet, 10% scrap, instead of using 10%, we were just chopping it up and we were using like 20, I calculated 23% on a lot of the jobs. I'm like, guys, it's too much. And these companies, they started back charging us. So I had, I'd hustled up about 14 major clients that could put a lot of work on our table. And, um, and then they just slowly started saying, hey, we're not going to work with you. Hey, quality's not good. Hey, when I started seeing this trend, I was like, like, I did the best I could to work with the guys to get their quality under control. But I could see that they seemed to think that I could do the rain dance over and over and over again and the, and the, and the money would always come. And I could see that the mentality wasn't, wasn't like that. Uh, or was like that, that they, they didn't appreciate what they had. Um, and so I knew, I knew I was going to be in trouble. And so I started searching and trying to find a solution to, to that particular problem. And I came across a guy named Jeff Walker. Jeff Walker, he had written a book called The Product Launch Formula. The Product Launch Formula book, basically, it really, it, it kind of was like my first glimpse into being able to figure out how to do this internet marketing, an internet-based type business. And he, he opened my eyes because what, what he would do is, like in the old days, they people used to write these really, really long letters. And it was a sales letter. And it would go through and it helped somebody come up to speed on a product so then they could buy it. Well, Jeff, Jeff said, well, what if I take that really, really long sales letter and I chop it up into four, uh, four sections and turn it into videos? And then I'll push the video out to them and I'll trickle it across two weeks. Um, and in the fourth video, once they once I've taught them a whole bunch of things and they saw a lot of value from me, he goes, then I'll ask them if they would like some additional help in coaching. And I'm like, wow, I could do that. I could see myself taking and doing that very thing, offering some coaching or helping them out. I'm like, so there, there's, there was like my first aha moment when I saw that. And... Um, I used to I like going to the gym and I would always take my kids to the gym with me. And as we would drive, we would listen to motivational videos and all kinds of stuff. And all of a sudden, uh, Ty Lopez, his um, Here in My Garage video popped up. And I'm, we're listening, to, we're, we, we decided to listen to this ad. I mean, it's kind of strange, we never listen to ads. And we started listening to Ty's ad. We're like, wow, this is actually pretty interesting. Um, and... Like he, he started motivating us. And so as we would drive to the gym, the new routine became jump in the truck, turn on Ty Lopez, go to his page or his YouTube channel and start listening to all his videos. And so we would, we would get all excited about it and energized and jazzed about listening to, uh, listening to Ty and all the things he was teaching. So I ended up going out and spending over a thousand bucks buying Ty Lopez's courses and started studying what he was doing. And right around that time, I was mentioning it to a friend of mine. He's like, well, have you ever heard of this guy named Russell Brunson? And uh, he wrote this book, Dotcom Secrets. And I'm like, oh, no, I haven't. So I went, and, I went and bought his book and I read it and I'm like, wow, this guy, this guy has shown me something that I, I did not fully comprehend yet. And he had another book called Expert Secrets. So I bought his Expert Secrets book. I'm like, Wow. Okay, so this online opportunity actually does have legs because it solves a lot of problems I've got, which is like 
one, he's created businesses that are scalable where he can do like a, say an online digital product where he can fulfill it in some sort of membership area or via email or PDF where he can send them to like an ebook or some sort. Like massively scalable, big time scalable. Like, wow, that solves that problem. The ability to be profitable was really, really high. Um, Like their profit, everything they sold when they got into like the e-space became basically 100% profit. Um. It also solved my ability to start looking at and controlling the quality of the product I was putting out. I'm like, boom, I solved that other problem. Um, and then, like one of the the main one of the main things I had always kind of always wanted to solve is is how can you have a business like this where you can live anywhere in the world and not be pigeonholed to a specific spot? Um, kind of like what I mean is my friend does landscaping, and he pretty much sticks in this area or the local area because he's got to get him, his trucks, his all of his equipment to the, that spot to start doing his work. And I'm like, so I, I've got to figure out a, a solution that allows me to be anywhere I want in the world and still be able to make money. And I'm like, that solves this problem too. And so I'm like, okay, got it. Um, I think this internet stuff's going to work. And so literally I, my mom, uh, She's really, really good at preschool. I'm like, well, you got a superpower. Let's see if we can take your superpower and turn it into a business. And I started working on on this with my mom. And what I discovered is um, my mom was, she's really talented. But when it comes to videos and video production and and, and being able to shoot videos and document her, her journey, um, it, w- it became a very, very difficult it became very difficult. We would spend we would spend a solid day trying to record a three minute clip, and I start looking at how much content we've got to create and how long it was cre- taken to create it. And eventually, I just had to give up. Um, I was spending way too much time, and there was no I didn't I didn't see how that was ever going to come together. Um, so I started working. My wife does, she's super good at eating, like super healthy eating with uh, what she calls a raw vegan diet. Basically, it's just a plant-based diet where instead of cooking all your food, basically you just eat, like eat, don't cook the apple, just eat the apple. Don't, don't cook the, oh, I don't know, think of anything that you would normally cook. Don't cook the potatoes, you know, um, that's kind of weird because I don't think people eat raw potatoes. But I think you get the idea. Um, it, it's, it's focusing more on non-cook, but eating just good, healthy foods, fruits and vegetables and stuff. And I'm like, we could do something with that. And so I started working on it. And um, what I discovered quickly is creating an online uh, a business. I was using web pay or... Um, Oh my gosh, all of a sudden I forgot the name of it. Um, Anyway, I was just using a traditional web builder and I discovered that it's very hard to get all the pages right, to put the pages in the right sequence so when they click on this page, it takes them to this page and to this page. And I just discovered that it's very, I found it very difficult to connect it up to, to, to make all of these connections work so that that you could get paid, you could make them drive them to this page and drive them to this page and drive them to this page. 
Um, as you'll see, like Russell Brunson, when he when he teaches, he talks about funnels, and and I had a hard time building that funnel. I'm like, oh my gosh, this kid's got something awesome, which is his ClickFunnels software, where I could literally drag and drop any page anywhere. He had a he had an editor that allowed me to design the page so that it would convert, and he made it super easy for me to put ways to get paid from clients. And when I saw that, I'm like, all right, I think that's it. So I dug into it, and I bought his software, and I started buying. I bought his software. I bought all of these these uh, coaching, training programs and stuff, and I started digging into it because I knew that like my flooring business was going to collapse. And while I was digging digging into this and trying to figure out how to make this work, that's that's when that's when the, the world kind of went upside down for us. Is the there was this there was this massive fire that took place next to our house. And we were we were super aware that well it, it became a problem, but it was kind of in the peripheral because we didn't think it would ever get to our house. And so kind of at this time what happened what was going on is my wife was pregnant. So we went to the hospital and we had our eighth baby and uh it was great, beautiful daughter came out and Nobody wants to sit in the hospital. You know, you want to be in the comfort of your own home. And so as soon as we got released from the hospital, we came to our home. And my wife just wants to be able to sit down, spend some quality time with our daughter and enjoy her. And then all of a sudden, the fire alarm started going off. And the entire city in which we were in was being evacuated. And so instead of being able to sit down and spend time with our daughter, we just got into this frantic, crazy pace of packing up the house, getting everything done. Cause we've got a, basically we had four hour notice that we had to move out. And, and so we packed up as much as we could. And, and then that creates the next problem, which is where do you take a family of 10? Like people don't typically have space for 10 people just to show up my parents were kind enough to let us stay at their house and so we had kids on couches and beds and we were sleeping everywhere we you know just whatever was available that's where we were sleeping in at that house and so when we're in this situation my wife she starts experiencing a little bit of this postpartum depression but then my business that i had act completely collapsed and all of a sudden it just was this punch to the gut we don't get to spend time enjoying our daughter we have been evacuated from our home and what was comfortable then our income and our business completely collapsed and kind of at this point you're you're a little bit sideways right you can't like it's hard to tell up from down and this is exactly where i found myself and um a bit terrified, um, same fears, all these concerns are, are, are coming to my mind about how to take and to solve this problem. And, um, you know, there's, there's, we started seeing like some, some rays of hope because uh, they, they made our fire like the number one fire in the United States. And so the, the federal government stepped in with a lot of resources to help suppress it. We saw miracles where the fire wasn't advancing like it was supposed to. It, 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 you can't explain it other, 
any other way other than there was some intervention that stepped in that prevented the fire from hitting our homes until resources could be brought in place to protect our homes uh, from this fire. And by a miracle, they were able to stop it. But And rain started coming. But then everything shifted because now they're like, okay, the fire's out, but like you can go home. But now you're in a flood zone. You're you're under major threat of flooding now. And so we, we spent like tons of time. They brought in the National Guard. We started barricading. We started sandbagging. We started doing all kinds of crazy stuff, getting our homes protected. And during all this, my wife starts sleep, slipping off into this deeper and deeper depression where like losing her appetite, losing her ability to cope with life, losing her ability to, to, to kind of function, losing her, her will to live, um, losing her ability to, to cope with what we were doing and uh, literally just started breaking down. And that's basically, that's, that's, kind of, that's where you're basically stepping into this story right now is this, this rags the richest transition isn't, already a rags to riches uh, happened. This is literally the rags to rich. This is the literally the transition period. I have a very limited supply of cash left in the bank. I literally have to figure this thing out to move forward. And when I look at it, I look at it like the one domino. What's, what is the one opportunity? What the one thing that I have to get this right? Like, you get this right, all your problems go away. And if you spend your time on things that don't matter, like chasing opportunities that won't pay enough money, all it does is allows me to bleed out slower, but I still die in the end. I've got to find a solution that I have to focus on the most important thing to solve that. Now, if you if you I'm a fan of Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, and like Warren Buffett, he was he was quizzed and he said, so what, what, what would you attribute your success to? And Warren Buffett says, well, focus. And it's interesting because when Bill Gates was asked the same question, he's like, focus. And very, very kind of very interesting uh, response. Like a lot of people would say it, it's hard work. But if hard work was the solution, like think about it. Do you work hard and are you rich? Or... Uh, are teachers who teach at school, are they rich? Or guys that do construction work and did, dig ditches and, and frame houses, are they rich? So hard work isn't really the solution. What Warren Buffett and, and Bill Gates had discovered is, is when they found the one big domino, the one thing that if they get this thing right, like nail this thing, it solves all the other problems. And that's where I'm, where I'm at. I'm looking at what is that one thing? What is that big domino? What's the one thing that if I solve this problem, it solves all my other problems? And when I look at it, this internet marketing, that to me, this that's it. Because it creates the income. It allows me to control the quality of my product. It allows me to make the business scalable. It allows me to live anywhere I want in the world. And and that's the one thing. It's like the one thing I could get right. And even if my wife or and family said we want to live uh, in Arizona again, I could literally pick it up, move back to Arizona. 
And so that's where I'm at. The So I've got basically I've got 30 days to get this stuff figured out. And so what I'm doing is I've spent before my business clapped, I'd spent thousands of dollars putting together um all kinds of training strategies, learning this stuff inside and out. And I've done what Tony Robbins says is the model success. I have gone through and I have documented uh, like the strategy, the blueprint of how to how to get from A to B in the process to take and to do it. And so this rags the riches uh, transition is basically basically publicly declaring and providing my blueprint so that you can see how I'm making this transition. This transition is not, it's not going to be hope-based. It's not going to be, oh, I hope it works. It's, it's, it's kind of like what I liked in the military is to, to build a missile. We don't hope missiles fly. We build missiles that fly. It, it, it's, it's an engineered-based approach. And what I discovered, this online marketing, it is also an engineer-based approach. And so I'm following, that's what I'm doing. I am following a blueprint, a strategy, a plan to do this. And if you go to rags to riches transition.com, so rags, R-A-G-S, two, T-O, transition, or, or rags to riches, my mistake, rags to riches transition.com, um, you will see that uh, I, set, uh, I set it up right in there. I'm, basically, I'm going to take this blueprint, this training, this content that, that I, I literally I spent thousands of dollars doing it, and I'm going to start uh, making it available to you so you can see the same transition. Um, anyway, hope that's super helpful to you. Um, it'll make it, it'll make the, as we step forward more clear. Um, just, it, it's one thing that... I hope you understand is that I have not made the transition. You're literally catching me. Um, I'm standing at the edge of the cliff. My boats are burning and there's, I don't have a way to go back. I don't have a, a retreat. I don't, um, I've got to make this work or well, it has to work. I just, it has to work. I don't have a backup plan. This is the plan. And anyway, so I will talk to you guys later. I'm gonna to try to shoot these more frequent so that you can you can uh, you can take and start following this blueprint if this what what works for you. Anyway, I will talk to you guys later. Boom.